Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Rabbi Michael Pitkowski, and today we will be learning Psachim Daf 77, Ayin Zion. The Mishnah at the end of 76b addresses which sacrifices can be brought when the person bringing the sacrifice is impure, and which sacrifices can also be eaten when the person is impure. The Gemara continues and compares the sacrifices mentioned in the Mishnah with other sacrifices. The Gemara tries to focus on the similarities and differences between these sacrifices. What do they have in common and what is different? The Gemara introduces the question by using the term Salka Datach Emina. Maybe you would have thought the following. By using this phrase, we immediately know that the proposed answer will be rejected. The first question asked was why did the Mishnah have to list the relevant sacrifices at all? Why wouldn't it have been enough to give a general principle, such as public sacrifices are brought by someone who is impure, but not eaten by someone who is impure? And on the basis of that principle, it would be possible to deduce the sacrifices to which this applied. Maybe the Mishnah is specifically excluding the Korban Chagiyah. This sacrifice is a public offering and has a specific time, both of which should be enough to have it included in the Mishnah's list. But maybe it is the exception to the rule. The Gemara rejects this proposition and says that the Korban Chagiyah has a unique characteristic. If a person wasn't able to bring the Chagiyah offering on the 15th of Nisan, they are able to bring it the entire week of Passover. This unique characteristic of the Chagigah offering, called Tashlumin, sets it apart from the other sacrifices. The Gemara addresses another possible sacrifice, that which was offered on Rosh Chodesh. This, too, was rejected. The Gemara now attempts to find the source for the ruling that is found in the Mishnah. Why is it permissible for public sacrifices to be brought when the person is impure? The first attempt is to learn this principle from the word moed, festival. The Gemara examines numerous instances in which the word moed appears in the Torah, trying to understand if maybe some of the uses might be superfluous. The conclusion is that each of the words festival, whether it is your festival, the festival itself, festivals of the Lord, they all teach us something unique and different, and therefore they are all needed. What the Gemara is trying to address is the nature of the Torah's language. In the opinion of many rabbinic sages, the Torah has no superfluous words. So each time that a word repeats itself, such as moed, festival, there must be a new concept or principle that, is com- that it is coming to teach us. The value underlying this discussion is the importance of the public observance of the festival. Usually one would think that public observance of the festival should not override either Shabbat or impurity, Tum'ah. 
But it turns out that there are numerous instances when the public sacrifice takes precedence over certain prohibitions. Another topic discussed on today's daf is the act of sprinkling the blood of the sacrifice on the altar. According to the halakha, it was forbidden to eat the meat of the sacrifice before the blood was sprinkled on the altar. This was based upon the verse from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 27, You shall offer your burnt offerings, both the flesh and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God, and of your other sacrifices. The blood shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the flesh. Since it is written, the blood shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, before it is written, and you shall eat the flesh, the rabbis learned that the requirement of spilling the blood had to be done before the sacrifice could be eaten. There are numerous details about how exactly the blood was to be sprinkled, but I want to say a few words about the possible meaning behind the spilling of the blood. The answer to the meaning of the sprinkling of the blood lies in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh, it is in the blood. I myself have given it to you upon the slaughter site to effect ransom for your lives. For the blood, it effects ransom for life. It is the very act of spilling the blood that not only completes the process of atonement, but is also the foundation of its ability to atone for our sins. As we get closer and closer to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Amim Noraim, the theme of atonement should hopefully be on our minds. One of the recurring symbols that is found in the, in the Yamim Noraim liturgy is that of blood and atonement. Today there is no temple, no altar, and no sacrifice, but we do have atonement. Just as the Torah and the rabbis of the Talmud understood blood to be central to the process of atonement, today we have prayer, good deeds, and the study of Torah to help us in the process of atonement. May all of these serve as our helpers in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you for listening to Daily Daf Differently, and I hope that you tune in tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.